It might get loud. It might light a fire within you. It's all hands on deck. Now, for your listening pleasure, 94.9 News Now presents Mean Chet Martin, the Long Island redneck Brian Bro, and fearless C.V. Burton. This is Freedom on Deck. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Freedom on Deck on 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. Mean Chet Martin here with you. Rolling on, altering segments with C.V. Burton. And we also have some really great guests. We have a returning guest, much like Lee Elsie had the return of Rick Coster. We have a return as well. We have the one and only Gordon Vidal. And Gordon hasn't been on with us for probably over a year or so. I think it's a year and a few months. So I was kind of surprised about that. But we'll be bringing Gordon on to talk about vaccine deaths, the numbers, the cardiac arrest numbers, whether or not we're going to see any justice when it comes to these vaccine deaths, these sudden deaths from young, able-bodied people that are having cardiac problems because of what we see as a issue with some of the early vaccines. And we will also have Bob Swick coming by from Swick Speak, talking Connecticut politics, a little bit of Biden here. And there, sprinkled in. And of course, the segments that we always provide that are top-notch. I wanted to get into this first. In yet another positive development in the new 118th Congress, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has so far kept his promise to appoint Freedom Caucus members, including those who opposed his candidacy for Speaker to key committee seats. For example, Representatives Andrew Clyde of Georgia. Freedom Index score 93. Michael Cloud of Texas, Freedom Index score of 88, will receive seats on the House Appropriations Committee where they will have the opportunity to put the reins on spending. Byron Donalds of Florida, Freedom Index of 93, and freshman Andy Ogles of Tennessee, two more of the 20 who oppose McCarthy's bid, will be joining Ralph Noman of South Carolina, Freedom Index score of 83. On the House Financial Services Committee, the House Oversight Committee, the House's main investigation committee, will be full of Freedom Caucus members, some of whom made no secret of their distaste for McCarthy during the contentious speaker election process. Colorado's Lauren Boebert, a Freedom Index score of 93, Pennsylvania's Scott Perry, Freedom Index score 78, and Florida's Byron McDonald's and freshman congresswoman. Anna Paulina Luna will have seats on the committee as well. Additionally, the committee memberships of Georgia's Marjorie Taylor Greene, as everybody knows, Freedom Index of 97, and Arizona's Paul Gosser, Freedom Index of 83, who were kicked off the committee by Democrats in 2021 for making controversial statements, which had had to do with the elections, will be restored. That means that the Oversight Committee can have a very significant extra legislative effect not dependent on the whims of the Senate or the White House will effectively control the Freedom Caucus, a very wise allocation of strength under circumstances where passing good positive legislation will be next to impossible. That's coming from the New American Magazine, uh, printed up also in Breitbart. So... So those, it, just so everybody understands, the index percents, that's, that's due to the rating that they get from the Freedom Caucus, all right? So if they're, obviously, if it's 98, 97, they're super conservative. And in the lower ones, you know, 70 and 80 percent, that means that they're conservative, but uh, not so much on certain things, I guess, like abortion and Uh, maybe the border and things of that nature that knock them down for things that they've pushed through as congresswomen or congressmen or congresspersons. So what we're seeing now is the Biden administration shaking in their skivvies because now we're actually going to have some folks inside the Beltway and on these committees that are going to look into everything that Joe Biden has been doing. If you don't think that kind of coincides with what's happening right now with all those documents, think again. And I want to say something, too. Um, I didn't want the 
uh, nomination of McCarthy to come. But I do agree that now that we're seeing some good movements here and now that we need to move forward and try to get control of what's going on with this with this horrible administration that is just pushing the worst possible outcomes on the people, I I think that it was the right move to make. And right now he's keeping his promises and that's all you can really ask for him. I didn't think it was going to happen. I don't know that, that it will. I don't know that this is going to continue, but for now it's a good thing. Uh, especially with the committees for the oversight and also the look, they're going to be looking into, uh, obviously they already are, but they're going to be looking in harder at Joe Biden with these documents now that were discovered in some uh, that were reported in after the other ones were discovered, by the way. I love how the media's, well, he's give, handing them over, isn't he? Yeah, okay. Yeah, after it was already found, they, they said, well, we better hand the other ones over. And so we're going to be investigating all that. And uh, McCarthy said himself that he's not pushing any agenda. This is probably uh, th- this investigation that's happening with Biden now. I, I can... I I can basically guarantee you that they knew about this stuff when he was being put into office. So what's on there? Well, listen, there were a lot of people that had access to the area. And when I'm talking about the area, I mean the garage where the files were kept next to his Porsche or his, uh, his Camaro. His son had access. His son was actually living there at the time, okay? He was in and out of that house. Was he in and out of the was he in and out of the garage? I don't know. I can't tell you that. I just know that he has some very very bad ties. And the fact of the matter is we need some movement here. I want to know what the hell Joe Biden was taking out of the White House when he did. What kind of information could have possibly landed into the hands of the CCP. And what kind of repercussions will we see? Are we going to see a committee looking into it and passing down some hard hits, an attempt at impeaching an administration, a president who is absolutely lost? He was saying the other day to one of the journalists questioning the files, he was saying, well... I can't tell you anything more than you already know. I had no wrongdoings, no intentions of wrongdoings, and I'm absolutely going to be vindicated. Now, first of all, that is a bold-faced lie. Those documents, what they were, were top secret. As the vice president of the United States of America, he had no right in taking those out of Washington and bringing them to his house in Delaware. He had no right to take files and store them and keep them in his garage. He had no right to take any of those files and have them logged and loaded up onto hard drives. He had no right to do any of those things, and he did. What, what was on there? I don't know. I'm not sure. All I know is this guy is super compromised. A lot of people think he's de- working directly with people that have affiliations with the CCP. And I got to tell you right now, it doesn't look good. That's for sure. But as long as McCarthy is going to uh, stand up for what's right, let's give him a chance here now. Let's see what he does. If it, if it falls apart, then it falls apart and we have to rebuild. It seems like that's what we do all the time anyway. It's hard to find a good conservative nowadays, believe me. And I hope for uh, heaven's sake that we get, get down to the bottom of this thing with Joe Biden before it's too late. And certainly, uh, you know, I'm not trying to tar and feather the old guy, but I think he's gotten away with way too many things in his political life. Anybody out there saying that Joe Biden is clean as a whistle has no idea who Joe Biden is. Joe Biden's been crooked from day one. He's never, ever contributed any kind of jobs or leadership in the public sector. He is a pure Washington animal. That's all he is. It's all he's ever known, and that's all he ever will know. And it just so happens to be that his, his facilities are failing.
I mean, he sounds worse than ever now. The guy never speaks to to uh, the media. Never. Very, very. And if he does, he gets all flustered and upset. He got flustered and upset the other day because they were talking about what were uh, held in these documents and why he would take it out when he was the vice president. I did nothing wrong. I had absolutely every intention of taking those out and reporting them. Mm-hmm. He's a liar. So he's a good politician, I guess. Let's give McCarthy a chance. All right, well, CV's going to be coming up with the second topic of the day. We'll alter back and forth after that. We're going to have Gordon Vidal on for three. And topic four I'm, that I'm covering, you're not going to want to miss this. It's, it's terrible. It's horrible. But we need to discuss it. Don't go anywhere. Freedom on Deck, 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Call. Freedom on Deck, 94.9 FM, Fox News Radio. This is C.V. Burton on this segment, and again, I'll be back at the end of the program. On this segment, we're going to talk about the World Economic Forum. They have this meeting, this grand meeting, where all the elites and all the great leaders from all around the world come together in Davos, Switzerland on an annual basis, and they just had one this month. And it's headed by a strange man called Klaus Schwab. Who is Klaus Schwab? He's a German citizen. His parents are from Switzerland, and they moved to Germany during the Third Reich, where his father had an opportunity as the director of a Swiss industrial company, that focuses on engineering and turbine construction. His mother was interrogated by the Gestapo for daring to speak in a Swiss accent in public. I'm sure all this was very influential on the young Klaus Schwab as a child. Perhaps he looked up to these tyrants and these micromanaging fascists. After he graduated from the Federal Institute of Technology in Zurich, he was awarded a doctorate in economics from the University of Fribourg and obtained a master's in public administration from the John F. Kennedy School of Government at Harvard University. And then he went on to author a book called The Fourth Industrial Revolution, where its dominant ideology is transhumanism. What is transhumanism? Transhumanism is a philosophical and intellectual movement which advocates the enhancement of the human condition by developing and making widely available sophisticated technologies that can greatly enhance longevity and cognition. Sounds like Luciferianism to me, but it is also very much akin to Adolf Hitler's idea of creating a master race. Only Klaus is not going to use violence to take over the world, he is going to use ideas and words, which makes him smarter than Hitler, but just as evil. And that, my friends, makes him far more dangerous than Adolf Hitler. You know I occasionally like to get esoteric here on this program, and indulge me for a few minutes while I do that. People talk about the Antichrist, and there are a lot of theories as to the who the Antichrist might be if he is alive today. Well, there are many Antichrists. I believe every generation has its main Antichrist. And I believe this generation has three. And they are Xi Jinping, Barack Obama, and his Mrs. Baylock, his Svengali, is Valerie Jarrett. And she's the brains and he's the face. And then you have this Klaus Schwab, 
who wants to take over the world. So Xi Jinping is a close ally of Klaus Schwab. And they've created this worldwide global leftist network. And they influence Barack Obama. And he handles, he's the handler of Joe Biden, who is basically just a puppet. That's how it works. Back to Klaus Schwab. His son, Olivier, is married to a Chinese spy who runs a World Economic Forum office out of Beijing, China. That's how close Xi Jinping is to Klaus Schwab. And curiously, the CCP is backing Russia in the war, while Klaus Schwab is backing Ukraine. And that goes to show you how phony the Ukraine war is right now. It's just another crisis that they use for their benefit. And I'm going to play a clip now of Klaus Schwab's opening speech at the World Economic Forum a few days ago. And I'm going to critique what he's saying and show you how they use crises in order to gain opportunity. And most of these crises are fabricated. Thank you, Angelic and Amen Forces. Musical opening of the meeting. It might be hard to understand what he's saying, but... Your Royal Highnesses... I'll interpret it for you. Excellencies, distinguished heads of state and government, Excellencies, dear partners and friends of the World Economic Forum, a very cordial welcome to the 2023 annual meeting. He sounds like Hitler, doesn't he? We are coming together under the motto... Cooperation in a fragmented world. Fragmented world. That's his central fear and focus on this speech. He doesn't like individualism. He wants us all to hang together and follow the edicts handed down by the World Economic Forum. At the beginning of this year, we are confronted with unprecedented and multiple challenges. First, Our global economy is undergoing deep transformation. The energy transition, the consequences of COVID. Wait, what are the consequences of COVID? The vaccines, right? That the vaccines have bad side effects, many deadly. The reshaping of supply chains. Yeah, who's reshaping the supply chains and to what ends? Are all serving as catalytic forces for the economic transformation. Yeah, they're all serving to create crises that you could take advantage of. And the hotspots of this geo-economic remodeling are high inflation, inflation, increasing interest rates, and growing national debt. Oh, how convenient for you. This is particularly hurting low- and middle-income groups. It is exacerbating societal fragmentation. There he goes with fragmentation again. Second, the geopolitical system is also undergoing deep systemic transformation. Oh, leftists love that word systemic. Internationally, we are moving to what some people would call a messy patchwork of powers. A messy patchwork of powers. In other words, powers that are separated to him are messy because he wants to consolidate the powers so he can control it. There are superpowers, emerging powers, middle powers, regional powers, rogue states, and also large corporate and social media powers, all competing increasingly for power and influence. Oh, they're all competing for power and influence because he's competing for power and influence. He wants all the power and influence. He's a cult leader. I think we can all see that, right? As a result, the trend is again moving towards increased fragmentation. Ooh, fragmentation. Confrontation. Ooh, fragmentation. Thirdly, our generation has reached a turning point confronted by truly existential problems. Ooh, problems. Climate change. Oh, you love that. Exploitation of nature. Oh, exploitation of nature possible incidents, or even worse, extreme poverty and viruses. 
they all can lead to an extension, extinction extinction of large parts of our global population. Well, that, that's what he wants. He wants extinction of and large parts of our population. we have seen how much dealing with those risks, such as COVID or global warming, have again global fragmented population. is a total scam. And finally, the fourth industrial revolution offers us tremendous opportunities. Did you hear that? The fourth industrial revolution is offered great opportunities because of all these crises. That's his book. That's his Mein Kampf. It's all about transhumanism, a new super race. But at the same time, technologies as computing, quantum computing, blockchain, genetics, and so on, they also could create deep societal fragmentation. You see, there he goes with fragmentation again. What he really means is opportunity. He uses these artificial crises. Global warming is a total fraud. Let's just get that out, out of the way. And then you have COVID, which was exaggerated. And then you have the vaccines, which are harming more people than they are helping. And the uh, economic problems that we're having are, were totally created by the a Biden administration and leftist policies that he endorses himself. It's a cult. It's a death cult. They hate life. They're trying to squelch life and prosperity by making everything too expensive and causing us all to be immobile. The price of energy, the price of gas to make you immobile. That's Satan's whole scheme. If he can't kill you, he wants you to be immobile so that you can't get up and do God's work. And they all want you to be on this electronic grid so they can track every movement you make, even every thought that you think and words that you speak. They want to track it all, baby. This is Freedom on Deck, 94.9 FM, Fox News Radio. Deck 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Dog. It's been a while, but on the line of the, with us is world-famous attorney, huge Rowdy Roddy Piper fan, and hosted <laughs> Justice for All right with his wonderful wife by the name of Christine Sinodi on 94.9 News Now. And I'm talking about the one and only Gordon Vidal. It's been a long time. You know, Gordon, did you realize you haven't been on the show in over a year? I find that hard to believe. It's true. It's damn true. Wow, that's crazy. Well, it's been way too long. And, you know, obviously, I uh, love talking to you. So this is a pleasure. I appreciate it. Okay, so we're going to be talking. I told you I wanted to talk about the vaccines and yeah. the continued coverage that we're seeing that things are coming out now that are starting to take shape in a form of saying cardiac arrest has been happening to a lot of individuals who got the vaccine early on. Uh, there's news that's breaking that shows that some of the things that we talked about with worries and vaccines and any kind of vaccine, too, is always something to pay attention to. With all these numbers and uh, all the stuff that's coming to the forefront, Gordon, what do you think's going on here, man? Is this something that they planned? Is this something that they uh, just couldn't avoid or what? I honestly don't know the answer, but when we talked years ago, when this, you know, they were throwing this thing in without proper testing and, and then they, you know, they doubled down once and forced everybody and they doubled down again and started, not, you know, firing people and kicking them out of the military and not letting you go to college. It was just crazy. So none of it seemed organic. None of it, none of it seemed the way, the way things usually work. So, you know, then you just start looking at the bigger picture and what, what might be going on. And I think we had several discussions about, you know, there's going to be long-term effects and they might be purposeful. They might not be. We, we really just don't know. But 
there's going to be a problem. I guess that's really the issue. And we're not getting the facts. And that's always been the problem. Did you see that? Now the facts are coming out. And now you see them scurrying, trying to explain these things. And that's really, really interesting. But kind of the same thing they always do. With the blood clots. We're talking about these these blood clots. So remember, you know, the first thing was... um, we, we had all these deaths and they were all being attributed to, to the pandemic and almost none of those people died exclusively of COVID related right. issues. Right. They all had comorbidity uh, and most of them had five, six, seven. Um, I think the average was over five comorbidity uh, issues. So, you know, they, it's easy for them to move the ball and hide the target, if, especially if you have, Fauci out there, you know, shouting down anybody who asks an intelligent question, which, by the way, the scientific method is based on you know, challenging everything that we know. Uh, once you get rid of that and then double down by, you know, banning people on social media where so many people get all their news. I mean, what are the kids supposed to think? What are the people who have been brought up on this way of learning things and I mean, it's, it's it's easy to understand how they control the masses. It really is, especially now that we've seen what has been released from Twitter. Um, but what is really interesting to me is, you know, at first we could have, you know, and you remember this narrative. They said, well, um, we have all these people dying of COVID, but now we have all these people who are also dying because they weren't treated for cancer. They weren't getting their screenings, all of those types of things, because essentially it was hard to get any medical care so they had all those deaths but now i mean i was reading uh a lot about excess deaths right so you know excess deaths are deaths that are over the predicted amount yep if there's one thing insurance people do it's it's actuarial tables man they know who's going to die and how many people are going to die yeah that's their job it's their job and it's amazing what they can do with the law of big numbers and we're seeing massive excess deaths now. And um, it was interesting because at first they were blaming everything on COVID, but there was no heart attacks and there was no, right. um, that there was no deaths from the flu. Right. But, you know, those numbers weren't that far off. But now we're, I, the scary part is we're starting to see what are those lingering effects. And we're seeing excess, excess deaths increase. And I'm, you know, our, our good friend Lee Elsie uh, was, you know, talking about a Tucker Carlson uh, uh, opening monologue, talking about the percentage or the number of of professional athletes in Europe yeah. that have had heart issues. And that was just absolutely amazing. It is. And I, you might remember the numbers. Do you recall what they were? No, it's very it's a very high number. I've been I've been thoroughly brainwashing myself with the right stuff. And you talked about the narrative. Do you remember the narrative that we were killing people if we didn't get the vaccine? What we were telling people? We, we were gonna get we were gonna kill people if we didn't get oh. our vaccine shots. Yeah, and, unpatriotic gonna kill people. I mean, we're gonna wreck society. And why and did that hurt. come forward, Gordon? Because when you really look back on it and you think about it, there we've had vaccine shots before. It was never promoted that way. It was ne- we were never told you gotta get it or you're no good so and so. But they yeah. basically made you feel like you were an evil person if you didn't get a vaccine. That part of it I I think is the scariest part of all because that shows you that they're trying to shove it down your throat and it's got to mean something. And it was on a world stage. It wasn't just here. Yeah. So it, it was a concerted effort by all of these globalists and that's what happened. And now we see states that didn't shut down countries that didn't shut down with this death rates were pretty close to the same. And for God's sakes, from day one, who the heck are we, me and you, to know that a mask, a cloth mask, isn't going to help one bit? And yet, you have Fauci out there talking about it to this day and, and you know, virtue signaling by wearing it by himself in his car. I mean, are you, until, of course, he goes to dinner with lots of friends. Um, I mean, that guy really, I don't know that they're ever going to get to that, but well, of all the investigations that could should come forward, 
you know, he's he's right there with the Russia Gate and, and some of the, and the Hunter Biden. Well, the Elon Musk, the Elon Musk said he's going to be dropping the Twitter files and it's going to have a lot to do with Fauci. I don't know if that's going to happen. What do you think? I mean, he made this well, this prediction a few weeks back. Well, he's never wrong on what he, he knows what he has. Right. Um, the, but and you, well, that, he, there's a perfect example. There's a guy who's done more in the effort to conserve the environment than any of these political, you know, do nothings, you know, who are driving around on their, their private jets. At least he can say, I've put however many electric cars out there. If that really matters, I don't know. I I don't have that argument, but. Well, all the liberals are trading their Teslas in. So. Oh, are they? (laughs) That that doesn't surprise me. They want the guy in jail because he's willing to tell the truth. And not even the thing about him is Gordon and I mean you've talked about Mr. Musk before. They're yeah. not taking anybody off the uh, the Twitter platform, but the Democrats are losing their minds because now they can't just yank someone from the opposite side off and and they're upset about that. It goes to show you they they want this brainwashing and if that happens if if Twitter, if Facebook, if all these conglomerates of uh, of social media go the other way, they won't have that tool anymore, and that's what they're scared of. Yeah, that's exactly right, and that's that's the whole game. It truly is. So, I mean, the question really is: Are the vaccines causing problems? And I think unequivocally, we have to say yes because even Pfizer has come out and talked about it. Yeah. Now, what was it? honestly just over uh playing the hand and forcing healthy um people under 40 to get this was that the problem or is it by i mean i don't want to go completely conspiracy here but boy how many times have we talked about population control and who was one of the leaders in all of this we're talking about guys like bill um, gates bill gates who you know has been on trial for um, forcing vaccines on people. I hate to use the word vaccines. I hesitate when I say it. Um, forcing vaccines on people that have caused deaths all over the world. And, you know, this guy's making as much money uh, playing with stocks, uh, pharmaceutical stocks that he forces around the world than he is in Microsoft in drug overdose. Did you see the, so- ch- did you see the children that have had heart attacks? Have you seen any of that? I did, and I was reading the case study, and there's no explanation. Right. I mean, heart attacks happen for a reason. It's unusual for somebody under 50 to have one, let alone somebody in their teens. It's It's absurd. I appreciate all the time, brother. We're going to get you back on again. It was way too long, but thank thank you for your time. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Talk soon. Thanks. Every Thursday on Lee Elsie, Gordon Vidal. God bless, Gordon. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, guys, we've got a lot more show to go here on Freedom on Deck 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. news now and stimulating talk this series of articles that i'm going to be sharing with you over the next couple weeks are pretty graphic and disturbing i'm going to tell you that right now and it shines a bad light on some things that have happened in the lgbt community and it is in no way shape or form trying to tar and feather their community it's not what we're doing here but i think it's important to see what's happening under our noses The article itself has some graphic descriptions of child sexual abuse, okay? I'm I'm letting you know that right now before I get started. This is a four-part, and it's coming from Town Hall. And I've also seen it uh, talked about on the National Review, and it was also on Fox News. 
A months-long town hall investigation reveals disturbing new details about an affluent LGBTQ activist couple accused of sodomizing their young adopted sons, now ages 9 and 11, and distributing homemade child porn of sexual abuse. Half a year after the shocking story made national news, Town Hall is the only outlet following up on the criminal case in Georgia that has since seen zero headlines written about it. We've found that it's far, far worse than what we first reported. Not only did the married men allegedly rape the two boys who were adopted through a Christian special needs adoption agency, they were pimping out their children to nearby pedophiles in Atlanta area suburbs, Town Hall's follow-up investigation discovered. Recorded jailhouse calls, a trove of never-before-seen court documents, and testimony from a family member who spoke exclusively with Town Hall uncover the extent of the physical and emotional trauma the two elementary school-age brothers endured, as well as the red flags that the state overlooked during the same-sex couples faster than expected adoption process. There's a lot of pictures showing them with the kids at the beach. The kids were very young when they were adopted. Very, very young. As Town Hall reported in August, the suspects were darling of the LGBTQ media. They were part of an anti-gay hate campaign promoting hashtag no hate. That's hashtag N-O-H-A. You've seen that out there before. And Out Magazine, which holds the national, which holds the nation's highest circulation among LGBTQ monthly publications, has repli- repeatedly asked them if its website's Pride page can feature their photos taken at the Atlanta Pride Parade. Charges. The adopted father's 33-year-old government worker, William Dale Zulick Jr., and 35-year-old banker, Zachary Zach Jacoby Zulick, who was previously accused of raping a child from Oxford, Georgia, have been indicted by a grand jury of Charges of incest, aggravated sodomy, aggravated child molestation, felony sexual exploitation of children, and felony prostitution of a minor. William and Zachary are each facing over nine life sentences. They've pleaded not guilty. According to a copy of the 17-count indictment Town Hall obtained, the adoptive dads allegedly performed oral sex on both boys, forced the children to perform oral sex on them, and anally raped their sons. In at least one instance, the anal rape injured the older child, who just turned 11 years old in mid-December. Court records indicate that the child sexual abuse stretches back as early as late of 2019 and intensified in January of 21, March 2021, and December 2021 as the offense Offensive dates are listed. The brothers were enrolled in their third and fourth grade, respectively, before the men were caught in a midnight July bust of the Zulik Mansion, which ended with Zachary tackled to the ground and William hauled off to the house naked by armed officers. The two Zulik boys who... whose faces are censored by Zachary Zulk in the first and second grade holding certificates from 19 and 20 appeared on Zulk's Facebook page. William admitted to forcing his 11-year-old adopted son to perform the act of sodomy, a.k.a. oral copulation on him with the intent to satisfy his own sexual desires, reads a sworn affidavit. An updated criminal affidavit says the child sex abuse was filmed by Willem's husband, Zachary, with whom he routinely engaged in sexual abusive acts on the boy. Zachary, the household's breadwinner, confessed to being the cameraman, and authorities allegedly found a folder on his cell phone labeled Us that contained videos of William sexually abusing the children. The indictment also charges that Zulik co-defendants with solicitating two other men through the use of popular social media platforms in the greater Atlanta metropolitan region to perform an act of prostitution with the, chi- with the children that suffered physical injuries from being brutally raped. Wow, this is, I'm getting sick, Read. I, I didn't read this far into it. Let me tell you something here. Now, the one... 
pedophile, and and I don't care that they're in the LGBTQ community. I could give a rat's rear end to tell you the truth. They're disgusting. The one man was already charged with sexually abusing a child, raping a child. What the hell? How the hell are they adopting two children? I'd like to know. And then they're being featured in these wonderful no-hate ads and being put in gay magazines trans magazines. You see, this is the issue here. Now, a lot of you folks out there, the liberal ones that maybe would get upset and say, oh, they're, they're picking on this story because they're LGBTQ. No, here's the problem. This is why I, this is why I'm highlighting that. And this is why town hall highlights it. And there's a lot more, believe me. And if anybody wants the article, just ask me. Freedom on deck, freedom on deck at gmail.com. Chet Martin 84 at gmail.com. I'll send you whatever I have. These people, these folks here, these disgusting people that should be put to death, no questions asked, I'll do it for you, I don't mind. These people here, they get a nice pass because they're trans. It's true. Why do you think they got a pass with somebody who had already raped a child and adopted these children? They certainly saw the act of violence and the criminal charges that came from the first account. So these guys adopt these kids. They rape them for three years to the point where finally one of the kids has to go to the emergency room because he was injured. And, you know, I don't have to get graphic with that. But the reason they always got these passes was because they're in the trans community. So nobody better say a damn word about it or you'll be a hater. You'll be a Nazi. You'll be some transphobe, right? That's what we always hear now. Oh, he's a transphobe. No, I'm a rapist phobe. I'm a pedophobe, meaning I don't want them around me. And if you put them around me, I'm going to hurt them. Period. These children, these innocent kids, had to go through all this for that long, had to take pictures. You see these pictures they take with these kids on Facebook. The really sad part about the pictures that I look at, you know, they look like a happy family. That's the most frightening part. There's one picture. It shows these two disgusting men and the two children in between them looking at the sunset on the beach, holding hands, and it says, we love our adopted family. Now, if I saw that, I'd say, that's that's a wonderful picture. Look at this family. It really proves that, that anything can happen. Anything can be good. And then you read about what they did. Now, they are tarnishing their own cause's image. I doubt it's their cause either. They're just pedophiles that said, you know what? We could do this because... Uh, Well, we'll just, you know, in the community, they'll hide us. And don't tell me they don't, because we already know that they've been caught doing this stuff in Brooklyn, letting an 11-year-old strip at a gay bar. All right? We covered that when it first broke. And so did Lee Elsie. The problem is we don't keep up with these stories, and and they keep happening, and they keep getting worse. Why are we allowing this to happen? And if people are upset that I used the graphic language that I did that came through this article, too damn bad. You better hear it. You need to start waking up. This is the stuff that they want to teach your children in schools. Not only these kids, but everybody can be damaged. Believe me. And it starts it starts at home, and it can end in school. These things, these horrific incidents that happened to these two boys should have never happened. There should not be somebody who has a violent past like this, getting the opportunity to adopt children. I don't know how much more we need to take of these people, but if I had it my way, I'd string them up, put them down, and bury them six feet under. Period. End of story. All right, we're going to come back with Bob Swift. And if you take your feet, the kid fall on how you choose it.
Welcome back to Freedom on Deck, 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. On the line with us is our resident local regular by the name of Bob Swick. You know, I was reading through your last piece on Swick Speak, and you're talking about the Democrat-led love loving vices. Now, the vice, the new one, is going to be the legalization of marijuana, and this will fix all problems, Bob. I guess the economy will shoot up. We'll have everything back to normal. This is a big thing that's being pushed by Ned Lamont. Now, um, just explain to every everybody why this won't work. Well, there are several issues with regards to the way the law is actually written, and I don't think people in the legislature, when they voted for it, really realized what they were voting on other than legalization of marijuana and all sorts of revenues going to come into the uh, state because of it. The first problem is the first two years that the sales are actually taking place, the state receives no money other than the money going into the agencies to implement the actual programs, the fees, the licenses, things of that nature. So my first question there is, okay, if it does not bring in enough revenue to offset all these costs, who picks up the tab? Is it the taxpayer? Is it higher taxes? How is that going to be resolved one way or the other? The second point I make, uh, and I I did make in, in the article, was that the general fund is only going to receive 15% roughly of the additional 10 to 15% tax on the drug for a four-year period only from 2024 through 2028. Once 2029 hits, all the money gets basically divided into this, uh, for lack of a better term, enterprise slush fund for the Lamont administration to dole out among businesses so on and so forth, to get businesses to move to Connecticut, subsidize them, so on and so forth. And 25% goes to, uh, up to 25% goes to prevention uh, rehabilitation services for obviously people who were going to or have been already addicted to both legal and non-legal drugs in the state of Connecticut. So I really don't see, I'm, I'm trying to rationalize, you take something that you've made legal you're theoretically trying to take it off the street and all you're doing is just transferring problems again to taxpayers for lack of better way of explaining it in that they're going to be subsidizing all these different issues all these different problems that are going to come forth because of legalized marijuana sales I don't really see it being a, a cure-all for the state in any way, shape, or form. It's only going to cause more harm than good. Bob Swick on the line with us. It's at Swick Speak. If you're checking him out on Twitter, at Swick Speak, that's the handle. Uh, Bob, I love the way you uh, format the article, and you show all the examples of wh- where this didn't help before and where we're at here. You call it a quick fix, the same thing as you said, just like the state income tax was the le- and the legalization of casino gambling, the extension of lottery sales. This just shows you that it's just another one of these... Um, basically a new way to to shove a new tax up their rear ends. And uh, basically, it's the same thing. It's not going to work here. I, I love how you show that. Well, it, it's true, though, because if you go back to 1990, Connecticut is basically in a 33-plus year recession. Any way that the state Democratic Party wants to spin it, how great things are, so on and so forth, the economic news continues to be overwhelmingly bad day in and day out. Restaurants shut down in Hartford recently and in Southington. Uh, Again, the sales from the legalized marijuana, to me, uh, I really believe are way overestimated as far as what they think they're going to sell and the revenue that's going to come in. And, you know, the state income tax didn't solve the problems. Casino gambling didn't solve the problems. Lottery sales around the clock don't solve the problems. And it's just on and on and on. And it, and it just becomes maddening to try to try to deal and rationalize with elected officials who really are, are completely inc- 
economically incoherent to what is actually going on in the economy today. It's ridiculous. Isn't this just the government and our politicians seeing money signs? I mean, they want to get involved with this because they want to make money. They see that it's an untapped revenue. Isn't that right, Bob? Well, figuring a state like Connecticut, as small as Connecticut is, with as little population as it, as it has, spends over $21 billion a year has over $150 billion worth of long and short-term debt, along with unfunded liabilities, I really don't know how else to, to perceive what they're trying to do to create more health issues than what you have already, just to suck out some more tax revenue so you can redistribute it to your political hacks who who back you in, in, in state elections. It's ridiculous. You're one of the best political minds that I talk to. I want to ask you, what do you make of all these uh, documents that Biden has been storing all around the place. I mean, his garage, they said his his son was was uh, in in, I guess, basically in ears view to to go check all these things out. Uh, what do you make about all this, Bob? Well, I think uh, President Biden is in over his head. And, and I've always said there have been a, the, the Biden administration is one of the most corrupted administrations in our nation's history. And I really believe all of Hunter Biden's ties with foreign countries, especially China, are going to come back to haunt him right now. And I really believe it was a, it was a massive cover up by the Biden administration, by Joe Biden himself, to cover his tracks for all the different side deals that he made over the years with his son. And the Democratic Party, seeing the, the disaster that this presidency has been, uh, is more than happy to throw him to the wolves like they did to with uh, Mario Cuomo in New York as governor. Uh, the, the, the same exact ex, exact problems that we're seeing, and we get rid of Biden, and then we start in a new problem with Camille Harris and her incoherent administration that she's going to start. So, uh, but I do believe Biden should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law, and I truly hope that the House Republicans who are in control of the House of Representatives actually get active and get on this as fast as possible. Yeah, I hope so, too. It's amazing to hear the uh, the talking heads that say that Donald Trump, as he was in office and cleared the materials and documents that he took, was acting criminally. But Joe Biden wasn't when he was the vice president and took materials that he wasn't allowed to take. I mean, Bob, the whole thing just smells to high hell. Well, exactly. And again, the Democratic Party and in particular Biden you know, feel they're above the law. Laws are for little people. Laws are for Donald Trump. Laws are for Republicans. And, you know, it backfired on him. And, and I, again, I really believe he needs to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law if we still have a legal system and laws that abide by this. He was the vice president. He cannot declassify any type of documents whatsoever as vice president of the United States. Big theme of the show we're talking about, and we talked about it with uh, Gordon Vidal, the forced vaccines. Uh, there's being forced vaccines on children. Now I'm looking through uh, portalct.gov. They're talking about the newest vaccine mandates. They're going to go through workplace requirements. Bob, this is this is bad news. It seems like they're always trying to cover themselves up when the when they when we talk about forced vaccine mandates, they say, no, that's not what it is. We're just saying that you need to get the vaccine to work here. I mean, what's it? What do you make out of all this stuff? And uh, the schools that are reporting children not being vaccinated and trying to get parents in trouble. It's a crazy world right now. Well, it, it's basically the state of Connecticut wants to adapt the parent role instead of the legal parents of these children. Yes. And because of this. I think it, I really think this is all going to really blow up in their faces because a lot of parents now have reached a breaking point and they're saying to themselves, I got to deal with critical race theory in, in schools. I got to uh, deal with uh, gender change in schools. I got to deal with drag queen uh, shows in schools. I've had enough of it. If you take away my legal right to see and do what I feel is right for my child, I'm done with it. I'll pull the kid out of school. And it could really spell the end of public education as we know it if enough parents have had enough, you know, enough of it. And they just said, we're done with it. We've had it. They've we been... will not accept this uh, mandate. I agree, Bob. Bob, 
Tell everybody where they go and check you out for Swick Speak and also your Twitter handle or anything else that you you want them to check out. Okay, please uh, follow me on Twitter at Swick Speak. And my blog is SwickSpeakBlogspot.com. Be a new one every Saturday. And we get Bob on monthly, and it's always a pleasure. Bob, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Chuck. Okay. Everybody, that's the one and only Bob Swick. Don't go anywhere. We have more show to go here on Freedom on Deck. I'm gonna quit this scene. But you think it's a spin. Nothing to see. And I'm not the same. See you Hello and welcome back to Freedom on Deck. Thank you, Chet Martin. Great interviews there with Gordon Vidal and Bob Swick. This is C.V. Burton rounding out the show today. I want to continue with the World Economic Forum topic that I was talking about in segment two. And then uh, I want to get on to the next topic. But I just wanted to show this clip of... Christopher Ray at the World Economic Forum. Like, what is he doing there? And uh, he says some uh, pretty interesting things. He makes some admissions, I might say. So listen to this clip and we'll analyze it. <laughs> I mean, I think on the one hand, the, the attack surface, uh, as you say, has, is significantly broadening. The range of attack methods is significantly increasing, both in in quantity and quality. What is he talking about attacks and attack methods is broadening in quantity and quality. He's not talking about violence or anything like that. He's not talking about terrorism. He's talking about political opinions because, well, you'll see. Keep listening. Uh, on the other hand, I think the, uh, the sophistication of the private sector is, is improving and, and particularly important, the level of collaboration between the private sector and the government, especially the FBI, has, I think, uh, made significant strides. What he's talking about is the collaboration between the FBI and a company like Twitter. He's calling it the private sector, but he's talking about Twitter, Facebook, and he's admitting that the collaboration between the government, particularly the FBI, and private, and these private sector companies is improving. And when he says improving, he means able to censor and spy on people. They spy on what you're saying, and then they censor what you're saying. And that is completely unconstitutional, and they should be prosecuted for it. Christopher Ray should be prosecuted for it himself. He should be impeached. Now let's get to the next topic and the next clip that I want to talk about. It's Joe Biden answering questions about the classified documents found in his offices and his home. You know, the only I, I will answer the question, but here's the deal. You know, what quite frankly bugs me is that we have a serious problem here we're talking about. We're talking about what's going on and the American people don't quite understand why you don't ask me questions about that. About what? Questions about what? About the uh, another fake crisis? What? Global warming? Is that what you want people to ask you about? Don't ask me questions <laughs> about that. But having said that, what's your question? I think she's saying, do you have any regrets about the classified documents? And do you have any comments about why the re- why it wasn't reported before the midterms? Hang on. Okay. Look, as we found, uh, we found a handful of documents were failed, uh, were filed in the wrong place. They, they were failed? Or oh, they were, oh, they were filed in the wrong place. Oh, yeah. Your secretary, Obama's secretary took classified files and put them in the wrong filing cabinet. 
which happened to be across town in your house. We immediately turned them over to the archives and the Justice Department. Uh, immediately, you handed them over to the Archives Department uh, six years after you left office? Immediately after they were moved from place to place? Give me a break. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. Oh, yeah, of course quickly. You want it swept under the rug as quickly as possible, which is a, a benefit that only Democrats seem to enjoy. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the... Lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Thank you. What What do you mean there's no there there? There weren't classified documents. It's been fully reported that they were classified documents. So how do you, how do you say there's no there there? And who moved them in the first place? Who had the authority to take classified documents out of the White House and move them into your garage next to your Corvette? You Lying sack of... Thanks to Mike Davis, I have uh, some clarity on this. He pointed out some good facts that are worth mentioning. For the last six years or more, Joe Biden had four sets of classified documents in three separate unguarded locations. Does that happen by osmosis? Somebody had to do that. At least one set of classified documents were moved at least two times. Once from the White House when he left office as vice president in January 2017. And once when he brought them into the CCP funded Penn Biden Center in February 2018. A year later. So it's not like they didn't know they were there. there somebody was taking them and moving them around. And the vice president and or the former vice president for that matter does not have security clearance to even be anywhere near classified documents much less put them in his garage where his drug addict son comes in and out with hookers uh every other day or put them into a CCP funded Penn Biden center where a, a, a Chinese agent has a key, has his own key, and comes in and out as, as, as he wants, all right? That means untold numbers of Chinese nationals could have went in and out of that center freely for years while those classified documents were sitting in there. And uh, whatever were in those documents, you could be sure that China now has multiple copies and who knows how many other nations have multiple copies. And what were in those documents? They were classified. I heard they were about Ukraine and Russia. I mean, was Russia-Ukraine war on the up and up? Or was it being planned for years as a, uh, as a way to launder money to Democrat cronies? We shouldn't wonder. We're not allowed to wonder. You're not allowed to know. We don't know anything. Because anything that comes out of the government these days is questionable at best. Now, there's all kinds of theories. I'm sure many of you have heard them all before. Uh, one of them is that the documents were planted recently in order to be rid of Joe Biden ahead of the 24 election cycle because uh, they want him out because their internal polling shows that he cannot possibly win against Donald Trump. Another theory is that the raid on Mar-a-Lago was done because they knew about the classified documents at Biden's house and, his, and in his office. And so they were trying to make Joe Biden's scandal look less severe because Donald Trump did it too or something. Uh, another concern is that they knew about the classified documents before the midterm elections that just passed in November. And it was not reported. It was not released. And they waited until after the midterms to release the story because, once again, the DOJ has put their finger on the scale of yet another election like they did in 2016 when they, they said, oh, you know, Hillary Clinton's uh, server problems. She had all kinds of classified documents on that as well. Uh, but 
she didn't mean to do it, so therefore it wasn't uh wasn't so bad. Let's forget about it. And, and then in and then in twenty twenty they hid the Hunter Biden laptop just ahead of the elections. So there's all kinds of theories and there's all kinds of concerns and they're all legitimate concerns and the theories do have weight. Personally, I think that in the final analysis, when it all comes out in the wash, it will show that Joe Biden was compromised by the CCP during his tenure as vice president and he was instructed to take the documents or copy the documents or however they were embezzled and cart them away along with his luggage when he moved from the White House for the express purpose of delivering them to the CCP. Why else would the CCP fund the Penn-Biden think tank office and have a key made for a Chinese national to come and go as he pleased? These were CCP-Biden embezzled top secret documents. All the evidence is right there nakedly in front of us, but no one has the guts to speak it plainly. Oh, it's been alluded to by many people already. We know that. The king has no clothes. Joe Biden is a crook who works for the CCP, but he's a sloppy crook who got caught. And the Mar-a-Lago raid was done to hurt Trump and MAGA candidates while they hid Joe's crimes from the American people just ahead of the midterm elections. There, I said it. This is Freedom on Deck, 94.9 Fox News. Chet and I will see you here next Saturday. Thank you, and may God have mercy on America.